welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. As you might tell from the different sound coming through this microphone, I'm still in the midst of moving. We're about 75% done, but I am currently sitting in a room that's mostly empty, but surrounded by boxes. It's that super awkward stage where you're mostly moved in, but there are still boxes because you can't find places for stuff yet. Even though this house is significantly bigger than the previous one. Ask me about flat pack furniture. Actually, don't ask me. Anyway, we've got another bonus episode this week. This one from my conversation with the lovely Kate Reculia, author of Bellwether Rhapsody and Tuesday Mooning Talks to Ghosts, from back in, ye gods, July of 2019, how young we were. We join this conversation already in progress. shocked i'm i am nearly up to date with stranger things and as now being a parent of a toddler i'm never up to date with things yeah <laughs> because literally i think it was like the beginning of the week before last i was saying because we were because kim and i have been in a great role watching tv like we watched the first season of killing eve and that and then we watched um russian doll oh. and then we watched fleabag we got through all of fleabag oh my and gosh we're, like, we're really on a roll yeah this is great and then and then kim out of nowhere was like should we just go back and watch Stranger Things 2 that we never, ever did? And so we did that over the course of like a week and a bit. And we're feeling really proud of ourselves. <laughs> and then everyone was suddenly like, we were like maybe two episodes from the end yeah. of Stranger Things 2. And everyone's like, Stranger Things 3. And we're like, <laughs> no. Just keeps rolling. <laughs> that content just keeps coming. <laughs> we're like two episodes into Stranger Things season 3 now. Yeah. Everyone was talking about, oh, you know, Steve, Steve in his ice cream suit. And I'm like, hey, over here, Eleven just got like a punk makeover and she's from the Fallen Angels X-Men miniseries now. So, like, that, I'm more interested in that. You're like, I'm, I'm a couple content cycles behind, guys, and it's fine. It's yeah. fine. You know what it's like? It's actually, I just flash back to this. It was in I Love You, Man. Yeah. When Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd are talking about, and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to go back and watch DVD box sets with my fiance. And he's like, oh, okay, we can't hang out. Yeah, we're on Lost Season 1. We're just about to find out what's happening with the hatch. And, <laughs> and Jason Siegel goes, oh, yeah, the hatch, that's a that's a big thing. <laughs> and like Even then, they were on Lost Season 3, and it's like that was like a charming naivete to be starting out. And now, like... However many years later, it's just like unthinkable, right? Right? No, it's so true. And I I watched, I was not much of a Losty. I watched the first season. I was like, that was great. And then I honestly don't know like what happened in my life to my like level of interest. Like, because it, it wasn't quite at the moment when like everything was going, everyone was cutting cords and like we were just streaming stuff. So like I still had TV, but I just like, I just lost the thread. Yeah, I have a very of-its-time story about the beginning of Lost, which is also how I watched The Sopranos in the same way, mm -hmm. which is, is that I would go to the local video store and rent the single-disc DVDs like, from the weekly rental time. section. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yep. And they would have, like, two or three episodes on it. And, like, for a while, I was able to keep up. But then if someone had that DVD out, I had to wait. 
and then it was mostly because it was an older series and it wasn't a terribly popular video store. Right. Uh, I was able to get through most of season one and the beginning of season two. And then, like, having to then transition into watching it on TV and waiting a week for every episode yeah. broke me and kicked me out of the show. Because <laughs> this idea of being, like, getting to the end and not being able to be like, okay, let's go start the next yeah, one. Yeah. And I remember that happening. Sitting there and going, God, everything seems to take forever. And, you know, I don't remember who that guy is. Right, and, yeah, like, oh, I need a reminder. Before? Yep. Was that, yeah. like, one of the first shows that you watched? I remember the first show I really, like binged on only on dvd didn't watch on tv was veronica mars which is like it was perfect for that it was really but i also got the i got the discs i think three at a time from netflix because you could get like oh, three yeah. discs at a time i'm yep, one of those people yep. who literally still has like the dvd option on my netflix account it's good right <laughs> it is sometimes you need it what happened is that i was working for uh, in a call center for a, a telco here mm-hmm. the company started up its kind of knockoff of netflix for australia called big pond movies uh, big big what movies big pond it's big pond. The, oh, okay. the name of the telco yeah okay. and so it was big pond movies <laughs> and you like we were as part of our job being like hey we've got an offer where if you want you can sign up for a trial for a free month you know the usual kind of thing yeah and we were encouraged to spruik this to our, our people on the phone and be like yeah you should do this and of course what we did because we were children is we were like let's just sell it to each other <laughs> get our tick and on the, the scorecard yeah. for the fortnight yeah and so i got it and i yeah same as you i kept it for like four years until they shut the surface down because what i would do and again very of its time is that i would get the dvds delivered Put them into my double-decker CD burner and uh, DVD oh, yeah, reader, yeah. and I would rip the movie off of the DVD. I would put it through two different computer programs, including <laughs> Handbrake, and so I could then put it on my then-new video iPod Ooh. and watch it on the way to work. <laughs> so I would do this with movies I would just have the vaguest interest in. Yeah, yeah. Like at some point, mm-hmm. I might want to watch that. You know, that Inkheart adaptation with yes. Brendan Fraser in it, which I still haven't seen. Oh, God, I forgot that that existed. <laughs> yeah. But there was something about curating your list that was slightly less overwhelming than just, like, opening up Netflix now and being like, I could watch everything and nothing. I don't know what to choose. And you'd get, like, that crippling de- decision fatigue. Because, yeah, it was all, like, like that's how I watched John Carpenter movies, is I discovered them yeah. one at a time on Netflix. I remember getting... Uh, escape from New York and being like, that was amazing! And then getting Escape from L.A. and being like, oh, God, what happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I see there's potential here, but it took a turn. <laughs> yeah, see, whereas I was the opposite with those two. I watched Escape from L.A. shortly after it came out. Oh, uh, my dad that, rented it. Was that, like, your first, like... I had no context for it. And I'm like, what's this weird pseudo kind of Western? This is, I guess, like, some bits of this are fun, but I don't really know what the deal is. is Why is everyone making such a big deal about this guy? Yeah. And then, but he has to play basketball for some reason. (laughs) For his life. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, his whole gang gets, like, immolated in a fireball in, like, one second on screen. And then I'm like, wait, did that actually happen? And, like, rewinding the video and being like, it did, huh? Yeah. I, well, I, I guess Al Leung and Pam Greer weren't important enough to keep until the climax. Seriously. It's just like so, so many missed just, opportunities. Oh. Yeah. A digital fireball and suddenly the entire supporting cast is gone. Just gone. Just gone. And so then I didn't actually get, like, I later, much later, learned about Escape from New York, but then didn't get around to watch it until literally two years ago. Oh. <laughs> That's so and, funny. Yeah. And then watched it. And liked it and clearly saw, like, the right. connective DNA between the two. But also, like, now, even watching it, like, 
in HD and like with the time to dedicate to it, I was like, wow, this movie's really like visually dark yes. and like it's, poorly lit and everything is like, like prestige TV. <laughs> yes, you yeah. can't see anything. Everything is like flickering firelight from like a burning oil barrel yep. or shit. That's so funny though. It's it's all context, right? Because like you you that is a perfect way to come into Escape from LA, right? Cuz it is bananas. Like it's just bananas yeah, yeah. as a movie. <laughs> Like the part where yeah. he and Peter Fonda are like surfing and yeah. surfing <laughs> a, an aftershock tsunami, yes. <laughs> and the part the the Surgeon General of, of um, Beverly Hills thing with what's his face? Why can't I can't think of his name. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Wow, oh my God, I'm terrible. Why can I literally? I'm just letting you twist in the wind here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Evil Dead. Ash. Why can I not think of his name? Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that whole yeah. like section is so my like, God, they're real weird and like <laughs> gross, and it just kind of it's he's like here's an idea and then it goes away. <laughs> doesn't do anything yeah. with it but it is yeah, yeah like how old were you when you saw it like maybe like 14 oh yeah completely mind-blowing completely yeah. mind-blowing <laughs> also it renewed my crush on valerie gugino from oh, hot shots yeah. oh whoa that's a deep cut <laughs> yeah yeah hot shots and hot shots part deux with her massive mop of oh and blank slate don't forget blank slate with oh, Dana I, I had forgotten blank slate <laughs> But not anymore. I think most of the world forgot Blank Slate. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like what? I mean, I feel like we've got a good like formative movies conversation going on here. Yeah, I know. This is all going to be like after the show, so don't worry. <laughs> or if it's long enough, it'll be bonus content. Awesome. But yeah, it's just one of those things where you start going down that rabbit hole and realizing, like, especially when you get to like that video store level of things, yes. how many kind of terrible movies you just picked up because they were looked mildly interesting. Yeah, and they became you know? part of your like mental DNA, right? Yeah. Right? Like, it's crazy. Hey, I went to the theater and saw the the Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy I Spy movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. things I forgot existed. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is in that movie. Was he the bad guy? He must have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got to be. He's gotta Malcolm be McDowell. He's wearing this, like, Hungarian jacket with kind of like, like the Kung Fu jackets that you see with the oh. little knot buttons and a really high collar. Uh-huh. But it's apparently a, like, traditional Hungarian jacket to the point where they had to source like a dozen of these for all his henchmen the only thing in the movie is there's eddie murphy looking at it going that's a badass jacket he's got on and it makes no other mention of why he's wearing this (laughs) extremely niche very cool suit like closet full of like bespoke (laughs) like very that's amazing i've i've been on a bit of a war movie kick because i'm a dad now and i guess that's like part of it but mostly because our local cable channel did like a marathon and they're like you could record them all and i'm like sure so whenever i've got like a saturday afternoon i'll just like put one on i then started listening to the friendly fire podcast which is like you know all they do is they do random war movies and just talk about them in the context of the history of the Mm -hmm. time they were made versus the subject matter it's actually mostly pretty interesting and the paths of glory one which is a very good movie and so it holds up really well uh i just know it by name i've never seen it it's because it's basically a courtroom drama rather than a war movie because it's about a terrible decision made in wartime and to, for the promotion of a general and then it fails and the soldiers are then tried for cowardice oh my gosh. and so rather than rather than have the entire regiment shot which was what they were going for they're like all right we're going to pick three randoms by drawing lots and they three will be tried for cowardice and then killed at the end and it's sort of and there's kirk douglas as their lawyer Ah. who was the sergeant who led the charge had to then be their defense and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like catch-22 in that it's a lot about the crushing kind of bureaucracy Bureaucracy of of the military and because it's you know because of its director it's then incredibly shot and really powerful but there's apparently one scene where one of the three guys are in the cell and one's like a hick and one's a bit of a weirdo uh, one's like witnessed the cowardice of a superior officer and so is sent in to be gotten rid of uh-huh. as a witness 
and so and they bring them a last meal and this is it's this beautiful like spread of like it's like duck and wine and like roast potatoes and one guy the country guy kind of sits down and just starts like stuffing his face and like there's a bit where he's like ripping chunks off of this roast duck and just like shoving it in his face and what i learned listening to the podcast is apparently he never ate a duck the same way twice but each time he did so much damage to it in the short time they were shooting, yeah. they had to go and prepare a new duck oh every God. time. <laughs> so how many ducks did he eat? <laughs> it's unclear. Somewhere between something like 15 and 20, they had to prepare. I mean, a duck isn't big, but that's still a lot of ducks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's incredible. And there was then a spirited discussion on the podcast of, if you were in that scenario, how many ducks would, would you, you put eat? away? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really... It really it depends on how the duck is prepared. I really like a duck in like a like a berry sauce. That's my personal favorite. Okay. Oh, it's been a really long time since I've had a duck. <laughs> See, most of the time where I experience, I find duck around here is uh, a lot of Thai restaurants. Yeah, will do, yeah. We'll do like a, a red curry duck with like lychees and like cherry tomatoes, and yeah, it's it's like really like nice and summery. That sounds really tasty right now. But again, that's also extremely rich because it's cooked in coconut cream. So oh my gosh, it's like really. Like these be- like you get the crispy outside of the duck, yeah. but then it's like saturated in this like beautiful fat, and I'm making myself hungry right now, even though it's six forty six in the a.m. I know, seriously, right? I'm like, mm. <laughs> but I think about that, and I'm like, yes, yeah, splitting it like you know a, a curry duck with someone, like halfway through, you're like, you know what? I'm good for duck for like a little while. <laughs> for the next like nine months, I'm good. I got my duck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My war movie is Great Escape. I saw that when I was a teenager. Oh yeah, yeah. And, like I just was like, ah, this movie is so good. It's so awesome. It just words fail me. It's one of those ones where, because it, it's like for two thirds of it, it's like a screwball comedy. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like. And then it's every like, once in a while. Yeah. It's like quirky, and they're and they're MacGyvering their way out, and then all of a sudden people start dying, and you're like, oh shit, it was never a game. Like. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, it's very good at keeping the tone light, right. but then reminding you of the stakes. Mm-hmm. Like the whole bit where it's like, oh, they discover the tunnel, and um, uh, oh God, what's his name? Charles uh, Bronson. The Scottish guy. No, no, the Scottish guy. Um, oh, uh, is it Ames. Yes. I think yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Scottish guy who's in with Steve McQueen just loses it, goes blank, and just walks to the wall and starts climbing mm-hmm. and gets shot. Yep. And it's like. It's brutal. Yeah, because like, he's like straight up the comic relief until then. And like you see him yeah. break and then he dies. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. I was probably 14 or 15 when I saw that too. Yeah. And it's such a quiet thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I think also, and again, this is showing my age, but I saw that movie on t- like bits of that movie on TV so many times. Yeah. And even then when I rewatched it, I only got to a certain part and then I had to stop and do something else. Yeah. Because it's long. It's a long movie. And so for the longest time, I saw them escape. And I saw some of the hijinks around it. Mm-hmm. I never saw the very end. Oh, God, where they, like, take them out to the field. Oh, jeez. Exactly, <laughs> where everyone dies. Yep. And it puts the capper on this thing. Yep. Except for Hiltz. He just goes back into the cooler with his baseball. Just always doing that. Yep. Yep. You can't kill Steve McQueen. No, Steve McQueen is indelible. He's, he's immortal. He just, just he cannot do that. Yeah, I saw it on TV, too, which is also, like, not having cable anymore not having that like i guess you find like weird stuff on youtube now right like by just mm. like kind of poking yeah. around and looking for stuff because like i would just stumble over some i stumbled over heathers like i didn't go looking for heathers i've just found yeah. it <laughs> on cable <laughs> wow another thing that, that you don't remember about the great escape is that, well one okay i'm 37 years old as we record this uh-huh. right james garner was like 35 when he made that movie <laughs> i'm 39 i feel very old 
there you go. So the oh incredibly God. handsome and charismatic older gentleman that is James Garner. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, he and he looks very fine in that movie. But I would, yeah, I would say, I mean, he's, when was that movie shot? In the, it was in the 60s. Yeah, early 60s, yeah. I think. Yeah, six, 35 in the 60s is like 45 now, I think. Right? It's it's hard living. There's just some city miles on right? that face. You know? <laughs> that beautiful, beautiful face that's done very tragically. What's, oh, what's Donald Pleasance? He's, they're, they're the ones that get. Yeah. Well, I think Donald Pleasance looked like that when he was like eight. Donald Pleasance looked like that when he came out of the womb. Like, that's just, <laughs> he's always been Loomis. <laughs> yes. Thank you, mother, for your service. <laughs> And on that incredibly goofy note, we should probably get started. Yeah, let's huh? do it. Woo! <laughs> we got great bonus material. I love it. I was going to say, oh, yeah, it always end on a Donald Pleasant's impression. <laughs> oh, God. At one point, I, I, like, ended a bonus part of another episode by doing an impression of Dusty Rhodes reading Kafka as an audiobook. <laughs> and the thing is, there was then a technical hiccup, and that was not recorded. And it's like my friend Chris was just like, oh, my God, that is just, like, Perfect. It's just in our minds forever. No, no other medium. Yeah. That morning, if you will, Danny, Gregor Fanfa woke up and found himself turned into a cockroach. That's great. And that's not a normal thing, baby. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh. Dusty Rhodes impressions never get old. <laughs> All right. Okay, so. Cool. 